The answer is not either in full globalization or deglobalization and split world. The answer is a little bit like composable commerce. It's in connectedness, but then keeping like different ecosystems. Oh, do I need to have something in WhatsApp or I don't need to have? Well, just try it. Yeah. It's a little experiment, but you can now try it without army of consultants, army of developers, army on, of anything. Welcome to our very first episode of the Composable Commerce Leaders podcast. Uh, I couldn't be more excited to have Ivan Ostrich uh, with me on the show today, who is a chief business officer for a company called InfoBip, who is uh, one of the market leaders for omnichannel communication. InfoBip is an amazing business. Uh, it's a global company and Ivan has many interesting stories for us to share, uh, starting with his uh, time at the University of Zurich, where he started off uh, studying biochemistry and molecular biology, and how he eventually got into digital and into management, uh, his view on composable commerce, on how to deliver outcome and business value and not just technology, why and how he met uh, the founders of InfoBip and decided to join, uh, and obviously all the learnings he had uh, back then uh, during his almost 10 years with uh, McKinsey. So it's a very interesting conversation with tons of great quotes, um, discussions about AI, culture, and much more. So Ivan is a very knowledgeable thought leader. Very proud to have him on this first episode. So let's uh, double click and dive right into it. Let's go and enjoy. Ivan Ostoich uh, from Infobop is here with me today. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I'm um, very excited about our conversation. Um, let's maybe start with a simple, simple question. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, and uh, then we will talk about what Infobip does. Yes, my name is Ivan and I'm a chief business officer at Infobip. Uh, being chief business officer means that I oversee company strategy, uh, all commercial go-to-market models through go-to-market teams and um, uh, all channels but revenue, meaning um, marketing, uh, partnerships, uh, in developer community. Very cool. And you have a very uh, very interesting vita, right? So you have been a scientist uh, yes. at first and then you turned a consultant and then uh, now you are a chief business officer. So so walk us through, through this uh, interesting... Yeah, well, I was always <laughs> fascinated by technology let's put it like that and uh, as i was thinking kind of in high school what to do i was good in chemistry but it was kind of an old technology so i thought ah there must be something emerging now and at the time it was molecular biology so i i went to study molecular biology and then did a phd but while i was doing a phd i i realized that the lab work is very slow for my uh, personal uh, level of energy mm -hmm. so uh, while while doing a phd i did another studies um in uh, management of technology and economics um, at, uh, at ETH Zurich. And there, you know, the, the whole door of, of digital world opened. And um, at that time, uh, with a few friends, we actually founded a startup um, that was really a digital startup doing something in recruiting space. It started very well, even ETH at some point was interested to get our product. But uh, very quickly, one guy found a, a job in um, IBM. And then I went to McKinsey. And so in McKinsey, I was. Um, we started first as consultant, but it was quite an exciting um, period because McKinsey acquired Quantum Black, an AI company, 
And then uh, it also, we also started a business building practice where we were partnering with big companies to build businesses. So I was still keeping my foot in healthcare um, a lot as a vertical, but I also worked across the vertical in technology. And then at some point in 2019, I, I founded, um, a toge together with uh, Nico Henke and Giacomo Corbo, who was leading Quantum Black, we founded something called McKinsey Technology Council because we saw that the technology will change the world and we need to uh, go ahead. Um, I was even looking at some predictions that we made at the time and we were not wrong. We, we, we thought about generative AI and we thought about future programming. And, you know, with that work, um, I actually uh, uh, ran into Silvio Roberto and the founders of InfoBip. Um, and I was deeply impressed uh, with what, what they've done with the company, but also, you know, the personality is very humble people down to earth, uh, but ambitious enough to conquest the world. And I thought that oh, this is a great place to be. Um, I love the story. So um, I joined InfoBip now as a chief business officer. I think um, besides, you know, loving InfoBip, I think the other thing which keeps me often awake is we noticed that European tech sector, um, actually we missed a lot of big trains like cloud and so forth. Um, uh, if you look at uh, last 30, uh, there was no company founded in Europe in the last 30 years that entered 100 most valuable companies in the world. The last one was SAP, which was founded in 70s. And at the same time, there were seven from US and four from China. So I think besides, you know, loving the stories and the founders, I think it's a big mission to, let's say, maybe scale one of European companies to that height. So yeah. let's see if you're That's successful. A, but It's a great, it's a great, great vision. So speaking maybe about InfoBip. So what, what, what I've uh, found is that um, you are basically uh, saying that uh, omni-channel communication, I think you call it, is, is what you do. And CBP and customer engagement, so we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, it's a very large company, so you have, uh, what, 4,000 people yeah, and 1.6 billion revenue? Euro, yeah. yeah. 1.6 billion euro revenue, around uh, 3,600, give or take, uh, people. And, and uh, what I was also impressed is that, uh, I think you had somewhere on your, on your website that uh, 350 billion transactions are being sent through your system. So let's maybe start with uh, you explaining quickly what InfoBib does and what omnichannel omnichannel communication. I think it's a nice nice yeah. uh, term uh, stands for what you guys are doing. So I, th I think we were started with a vision to democratize um, a communication between businesses and people. Because at the time that the company started, there was not even something like application to person messaging. It was all like person to person. So, you know, what we've done um, is to take a very complex world of telcos and communication infrastructure, connect, connect it and tie it up in a software platform that then enables people to you know, send messages at the time to anyone in the world um, just by using simple API. And with that same concept, connecting, you know, complex infrastructure with communication, we continued over, over years. So we kept adding channels, like chat apps, email, voice, and uh, enabling people really to kind of, in a simple way, plug and turnkey, plug and pay, play, use omnichannel communication. But um, you know, we saw where the world is going, and it's not going to be just communication; it's going to be digital interactions. So we started building composable um, engagement solutions that you know you can use in combination with channels to service customers, engage customers, program customer journeys. So, so that's in principle what Infobip does. It provides a full stack. Uh, communication cloud communication platform that you know connects the infrastructure we have 42 data centers 40 are in private cloud all around the world 
uh, with channels, programmable channels, with the pl advanced platform functionalities that can automate how you use these channels with engagement solutions. And channels are like the usual channels, like you know SMS, WhatsApp channels, uh, or like it's, social media channels. He, uh, we are here in Las Vegas, as American would say, uh, name it and we have it. Yeah. So in principle, <laughs> yeah, there is more than 30 channels natively integrated in the platform. So it, like uh, traditionally, of course, we started from the world of SMS, then MMS, uh, rich communication uh, messages, uh, uh, WhatsApp, uh, Apple messages for business, all possible kind of chat apps, Viber, Line, Kakao, etc. push messages, and then other modalities, email, voice, video, and so forth. So that's kind of the, 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 the channels. But that's all wrapped up in a very nice platform. Then if you are sending big volumes, you can automate what you do. And then on top of it, there are, there are engagement solutions that work either to coordinate across the channels, how you use them for specific use cases, or you can embed them in the channel. And, create experiences. And you are serving customers in 190 countries, basically everywhere. Right? Yeah, so we have um, uh, more than 70 offices around the world uh, physically present, but actually we, our reach is more than 190 countries. And um, we have one KPI that we measure is how much mobile phones have we touched. So last year we touched uh, around uh, 7 billion mobile devices. 7 billion? Yes. So almost so, every device. Of, well, so there is two thirds because the, okay. there, there is more devices than people because some people have two, three phones. And oh, so yeah, forth. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but two thirds. Um, and, uh, and actually, yes, uh, already this year we are expecting more than 400 billion interactions to go through the platform. And when you say mobile devices, so this is like phones or is it like also iPads, watches, everything which receives? Everything that receives, yeah, okay. that can receive the message. Interesting, interesting. Wow. And uh, from an ICP perspective, um, so, so who is your ideal customer? Are there any industries which, which you're serving or focusing on or is it like broad across all industries? So if, if you can like, yeah. you know, being the, the business, the chief business officer, so, so how would you define ICP? So in principle, we have kind of... Um, uh, uh, some customer segments that we are focusing, but let me just give you a context before that. So we are horizontal platform, and you know communication is like water; everybody needs it. So we can serve pretty much uh, everyone. In terms of uh, how our organization is composed, and also um, our platform, which I will explain in a second, we are typically very strong with B two B two C customers, like platforms, like um, Spreaker is as well. Uh, providing them channels natively or partnering with them to build a higher order solutions. Um, and the reason why we are a very good partner with them is, first of all, we have a sort of a co-creation model where we understand the needs and, and create things. And then it's the technology. Our platform is very robust, especially for high volumes, a lot of redundancies, low latency, a great logic how we handle high uh, volume messages like just on Black Friday in US, we had four, 4 billion messages on one day, no hiccup, and so forth. And then um, besides that, I think with, especially with some of our engagement solutions uh, in B2C space, it's um, digital natives um, that are kind of digital first companies like Uber mm -hmm. is our big um, client. So, you know, so they, they would use it, for example, for sending the notifications about yeah. your driver is on the way? Uh, you know, you. Yes, with them we have various use cases, but exactly just for people to kind of visualize it. Yeah, they can send notifications that your driver is on the way, but also uh, when you make a voice call, um, you know, calling a driver, that voice call is handled through our infrastructure. And together with them, we also did some 
innovation. So you know now that when you try to call back you, Uber driver, you won't get actually the, the number is not real. That's so we like created a virtual that, number. Yes, so we created that that numbers are created at the moment of a call, and then you can't reach each other anymore for privacy. So you're not calling the driver on his personal phone. Yes, yes, know? exactly. Neither driver can call. You know, there were some incidents with some other providers, um, not to name, and you know, the delivery people were then calling customers back, and um, and so Uber asked that to 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 remove the uh, you know any privacy concerns and. And we did it. So, so to that extent, you know, that's kind of an example. And then also, actually, traditionally, we were very strong in, in enterprise, like big corporation segments. We have, I think, something like 700 banks that we serve for things like um, security, like uh, pin, 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 but then also, you know, checking your account, getting notification, getting fraud alerts and things like that. And now, you know, building from that base, we started for many of them building more advanced um um, you know, uh, engagement solutions. So just to give you an example, this was in the press. Uh, with Uber, we now built ability to order Uber from WhatsApp without having Uber app installed in India. So you can kind of just like go into WhatsApp, drop your pin, say, here I am. I need a car to this location. And you're sending this to a special number. Yeah, yeah it's okay. a business registered number okay. for Uber and WhatsApp. Okay. But the, what I wanted to illustrate, there was more kind of a lighthouse case is you know we started from this more simple communication but we are going to to build experiences in the channels that's the you know where the thing is going and how we also started working more and more with the customers and then you are building basically on top of the carriers right so so there is a network right and then yeah. everything above that right so there's let's say there's a tele, uh, AT&T or there is a Deutsche Telekom and then you just build so your technology yeah. starts from uh, above what they provide you. Basically. Yeah, correct. So, so we have carriers that we tie up in our platform. Uh, they even use some of our hardware or solutions, um, and you know they provide connectivity for voice and um, messages. And then, if you think analogous to that, is um, also channel providers like chat app providers. I mean, they also kind of feed um, their APIs into our platform. And then we have data centers where. Everything is going through, and we are ensuring compliance. We are ensuring, you know, uh, data privacy, and we are ensuring that we can handle the large volume. So the carriers That's, are basically becoming a commodity with the, their service, and you are kind of the value at uh, layer, so to say, on the commodity. To some, to some extent, I mean, we are also working with them for them not to become commodity, but in principle, yes, they are providing these kind of channels, and we are then, you know, um, simplifying, tying this up together, and building solutions on it. And uh, yes, then I just don't want to forget to mention because you went this way. Also, our partners, you know, because some of these solutions we really are honored to partner with some companies like yours, and some of our solutions are either part of these ecosystems or embedded uh, now, and they use the strength that we have on interaction of engagement solutions and channels. And from a buyer perspective, so because like you said, it's a horizontal solution. Actually, you should be using this marketing uh, uh, slogan that it's like water. Like everyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone everybody needs it. Needs I, it. Yeah. I like the I like the slogan. Uh, but from a buyer perspective, so who who are typically who are you typically selling to? Is it marketing? Is it is it sales? Is it so so so? Give us a it feeling. It got for... quite complex in recent years, but it's quite a great question. So there, are, I mean, two or three buyers. So there is marketing department, uh, customer support or let's say IT. Those are the most typical ones. So IT, they are typically need communication channels for any purpose. So, you know, they want to send messages to customers or they want to send large amounts of emails. They would do the RFP and it would be very deep 
sort of technical discussion. We are very strong in that technical discussion. We know platforms, we can advise them, we can advise them on compliance, we can advise them on global footprint and so forth. Similar with the B2B to C platform. Now, the story changed in recent years, especially as we have engagement solutions or support solutions. Um, we are also talking to business personas. So, so marketing is typically for customer engagement, anything from you know promotional messaging, uh, building uh, experiences within channels, um, automation of customer engagement, loyalty, rewards, all of that is always better boosted or performing with messaging. So typically, uh, we'll talk a little bit later about buyer personas and how they decide, but that's one archetype and the final is like customer support, right? Because nowadays, a lot of businesses, they want to reduce pressure on call centers, they want to make their answers available 24 uh, seven, they want to be very responsive very fast and all of that is achieved in the best way, if you move the conversations with customer in the chat channels, uh, because and are you already you seeing more. conversational commerce also happening, like where people would yes. like, like like in 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 Asia where there there would be like a WeChat and people would basically place all the transactions from uh, you know calling an Uber or a local Uber to you know uh, reserving a table in the restaurant uh, to you know actually buying uh, products it, and goods. It is actually quite exciting area uh, and peer era outside of um, outside of China now mm -hmm. uh, because now we have a couple of let's say big providers th that have different strategies but they're all uh, moving that way so WhatsApp uh, being let's say more ad most advanced to open their channel for marketing or support cases but also Google Apple and others are opening this and let's say that we are in early stages but very encouraging so we have a lot of lighthouse cases where people have tried and seen results and now they're asking for more. So the simple answer to your question is yes. A bit more nuance is yes, it's emerging, but we see some great results. Great, you know, at the moment, conversion rates on some of these campaigns on chat channels with conver uh, conversational commerce where you can transact, our conversion rates are equal to open rates of email, for example. So it's that high, not for all campaigns, but there are specific examples and you know when people see these results they want more so we are going this way and since we are on the composable commerce leaders podcast so let's talk about composable commerce a little bit so how would how would you describe it in your words so so what is if you if you would need to explain it in simple terms in simple terms is um in the past um, um uh, i will do it by contrasting in the past you know there were uh, e-commerce platform that tried to build like uh, one size fit all solutions so they try to cover as much as you can uh, and I think composable com commerce is um, enabling, um, you know, co combining different best of breed solutions uh, in order to fulfill a specific need or a specific uh, purpose. Because, you know, l let's just contrast. If you are, um, you know, a commerce platform that want to cater to uh, small merchants or SMBs, you know, they will need much less sophisticated solutions. So for example, in marketing, they need something very visual where they can just like, yeah. you know, build a customer journey out of the box, but they don't need like big analytics and so forth. Uh, similar on purchasing side, on payment side and so forth versus, you know, big enterprise customers, you know, that actually just, you know, need to t tailors to hundreds of thousands or millions uh, consumers that will need much more sophisticated solution. So instead of trying to kind of just buy everything out of the box, 
they rather can combine components of different tech stack to to fit to fulfill the need that they have. So that's and and, and for your category, so 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 I like this analogy of you know the, this large uh, monolithic applications and suites right yeah. breaking up, and now there are dedicated uh, you know products and, and and vendors and services for things that like. 10, 15 years ago might have been a feature in a, in a, yeah, in a, in a right in a, in a, in a suite. Um, so for your use case, so who are you replacing then typically? So, or are you replacing like, you know, someone or something which, you know, used to be built in, in one of these legacy stacks, or is it a new use case, which yeah. you, you as a company are enabling, which did not exist before. And, and, you know, you come to the companies and basically, you know, pitching them on, Hey, you know, this and that use case we need to think I'll, of. I'll take I'll take a step back, and I think that's where Infobip and Spriker share the same philosophy. I believe you see the world as kind of ecosystem of different things, and we also see the world as ecosystem of different things. And so we want to be parts of this ecosystem and work with partners. Having said that, to answer your question directly, I don't think at the moment we are replacing uh, anyone. We're actually adding uh, new use cases, especially in conversational commerce area. So, you know, if, if you want to kind of use WhatsApp or Viber or RCS, Google Rich Messages, um, to, to send, uh, let's say, promotional uh, a message to somebody, but then you don't want this to be just a message. You want to enable them, uh, you know, to pick the product and transact in the channel. Uh, we would build a solution, and but then we would need a partner like you, where you and other partners where, you know, you need the cataloging and you need everything. And that's kind of in the spirit of composable commerce, but just to explain. So our niche is to build the experiences in communication channels and provide the communication channels and then, you know, target, um, enable uh, uh, businesses who need that or who see a value in that to just take that solution in combination with somebody like Spraker and others and, and just use it. So I think we are adding um, uh, optionality, how businesses can co interact with their customers. And so, you know, we have the slogan, uh, which is compose outcomes beyond technology. Yes. And, and, and the reason for that is that people are very much focused on technology and like there's like, you know, too much pitches on, on hey, I have this feature, my API is, you know, 100 milliseconds yeah. faster and uh, I'm doing this and that better. And people forget about that actually the business outcome matters. Yes. Right? So we, we, we always try to work backwards from the business outcome. So my question would be, what is the business outcome that you are typically pitching on? So when, when you talk to your customers, right? So I, I, I guess there is some form of technical due diligence where they look into the platform and like it, and right? But maybe more importantly, if when, when you are sitting, sitting with the counterparts, so, so what, what, what is the promise that, that you are having for your category? But you know how you asked me uh, about our uh, buyer personas. So actually, there are kind of two very different discussions that we have. So IT or B2B2C tech buyer persona, it's one type of outcome that they are seeking from us versus business persona who's seeking for uh, other type of outcome. So let me start with this technical personas. So what, what they probably, like, like you have, they probably have their outcome in hand what they want to achieve. And now they're looking for a tech provider that would complement that. So they're typically asking us for you know, deliverability, latency. How can we guarantee that on Black Friday we can have huge volumes in any channels, that there is no downtime. Right. So th that type of, and then more technical discussion, how can we enable them to work with large number of customers in an automated way through using APIs on our platform and so forth. So that's one type of outcome that are looking more technical. Now in line with your slogan, 
the business personas or partners like you, we are looking more at uh, real like business outcomes. So if you're talking about marketing use cases, it's really how much will you increase, you know, my uh, conversion rates that people open a certain message, that people transact on this message. So real hard, you know, business outcome, how much uplift of sales you will create. And similar on customer support, it's more like the MPS, you know, the response time, how much of my work you can automate, how much you can reduce pressure on the um, um, on my agents because they will now have to do less calls since they can chat or uh, some of this chat is like automated and that type of thing. So it's two very different worlds, but I agree with you. The world is going much more outcomes and we are coming much more uh, because now we have like very complex tech that you can compose and you really need to do this kind of value selling, anchor yourself in a customer journey of that persona and see what KPI are they looking there and how your solution can add. And that's more and more discussions that we have in this today. And, and where do you see, where do you see composable commerce, like, uh, if, 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 like thinking broadly, but also for your category, where do you see it going like trend wise, right? Because like the, I think Gartner framed this term like two years ago, right? So it's still, when we talk to customers, when our partners talk to customers, still the world is in a transition, right? So majority, especially a large enterprise are still not there yet, right? So they're transitioning from kind of the legacy world yeah. towards a composable enterprise or composable commerce world. So, so where do you see personally it going in the future and, and, and what's the next kind of trend business-wise for your, for your specific category? Yes. So at the beginning of this year, we actually published like a, um, a, a little paper, kind of five trends that will change CX. And I think this, these stand for, um, for composable commerce as well. So I'll just give you a couple uh, if that's okay. So I think one is really this composable tech, you know, what it, five years ago, what it would take you like army of implementation consultants in your platforms. Now you can do it within six months just using uh, APIs. So I think, you know, as I said earlier, a world will evolve as an ecosystem where a lot of things are like pre-integrated out of the box. And then you can choose best of breed for your use case. And, you know, each player there is really trying to make their own you know, vertical, perfect. So in that sense, InfoBip will make conversational experiences perfect. But for that, we need Spriker to have a catalog and so forth. And, you know, depending on the size of the company, they can compose. So that's number one, composable tech. Number two is the, is the hyper automation uh, and AI that will, um, you know, give some uh, positive twist uh, to this ecosystem. So, you know, there will be no conversation. You, you don't mention ChatGPT or something similar, lar large language model models, but you can see that they will become integral part of workflows, enable faster, better experiences. AI will enable hyper-personalization. And then at the top level, what is really important for our category, we see two trends. Uh, one is the, the whole com conversational commerce will become one of the most important front-end channels mm -hmm. for composable commerce. Mm -hmm. So that you can, you know, really in the channels of interest, send messages, have end-to-end -end journeys, programmed, you know, send them at the right time with the right offer that people can uh, transact. I, we see this as a big trend and I think people will go more into conversational channels like the ages of like asynchronous emails and stuff. I think that that'll be, uh, especially with, with new generation, that'll become less and less relevant. And then the last one, and I will finish with that, is like, I think emer emergence of digital experiences. You know, you will go to a store and then you can scan a QR code and all of a sudden you'll get a lot of information about the product and that will pull you back to your composable commerce platform. And you will all of a sudden can find similar products, 
you see what I mean? Like maybe read reviews and so forth. I think that that kind of interplay between physical and digital will be another trend that we find important on on a front end in the CX layer. And and like speaking about about the use cases and and you know what 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 you are seeing like from from your customers. What are, what are good tangible examples like of you know uh, you know if 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 you want like to name a, one or two customers where you know there was a real business outcome achieved in the end, right? And, and customers, so like, you know, be it higher ROI, higher conversion rate, uh, whatever. Are there good examples you are happy to share? Yeah, I mean, there's quite, uh, quite a bit of, um, uh, quite a bit of uh, great examples uh, that we've done. So maybe I take uh, one emerging example and one uh, established. So the emerging example is, um, is actually uh, our, um, uh, what some of our partners are launching extensions in chat app that'll em uh, enable um, uh, you know the uh, uh, companies to really have like almost like in-app experience in in chat so uh, that example is we're now in beta with burger king in latin america and whatsapp and there is a whole um, almost e-commerce where you can order burger king through whatsapp and oh, we're wow. seeing good first like encouraging results so it's really catalogs. And it will be delivered then. So you order yes, basically yes. a, a and Whopper. You do and everything then... through WhatsApp. You can follow up and so forth. So that, that's a good example. I don't have yet numbers at scale, but that's kind of the, um, the one that um, uh, we are really um, sort of proud uh, of. Uh, and then uh, on the other side, um, maybe, maybe to pick one example of the back, on the back end. Um, so not toward the end customer, but the other part that is important for commerce platform is to onboard merchants. Mm -hmm. So for example, just, just to give an example, there is a huge platform in India called Flipkart. They're kind of an Amazon of India for people who know. And in India, there is a lot of like um, little stores and Flipkart would you know, kind of like to tie them into digital ecosystem. And in India, everybody's on WhatsApp. So we did, for example, uh, merchant onboarding for um, uh, Flipkart using WhatsApp. So, you know, they would upload the documents and so forth. And we've see, seen some super crazy rates of this conversion that gave them competitive advantage and it was easy to use for their customers and um, uh, high satisfaction scores. So that's just, let's say, two examples. And, and I mean, given the current macro environment, which <clears throat> I think we, we are all in at the moment, have you, seen, have you seen customers asking for something different like recently? Is, is the is there more focus now on business objectives? Is there more focus now on unit economics, on you know making business more efficient from how it was like maybe a year or two ago, or is it is it basically the same? Yeah, I, I think there are two things. So definitely, um, there are some questions on unit economics, but I think it's not a pa panic cost cutting. I think people became more conscious on sort of ROI. So especially with this new emerging trends, let's say of conversational commerce, people will want to try things. And if you give them sort of um, opportunity to try at a lower price, but then when there is value created that they share, they're more open. In the past, it was just like, let's innovate, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, it's more like, hey, what's the ROI of this? But ROI? it's not like, give me as cheap as you can. Yeah. It's more, show me the value first. I think that's kind of what changed in the last few months, in my view. And time to value, I think, also. Time something, to value as well. Something we hear a lot, where, where people are like, you know, they're still willing to do bets, but 
you know, the time to value needs to be shorter, right? So they Correct. don't want to do these, hey, you know, six, nine months until something goes live, some, you know, a new use case is launched, but yeah. hey, we want to do it in two weeks, right? We want to do it in four weeks yes. and then see the ROI and then uh, either continue or, or discontinue if it doesn't yeah. show the ROI. Interesting. And um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm always uh, interested in the fact that some people would, would, would say that for composable cameras, there, is, there are many advantages, but there are also disadvantages, right? Because now you have many partners you need to, as a customer, yeah. you need to connect them, you need to orchestrate them, you know, you end up with multiple contracts with different vendors, you know, different SLAs, etc. So how do you see the advantages of a composable cameras outweighing the disadvantages? I, honestly, I think um, it, it, could, it could be problematic, but with some of the partners, we also found solution because many of us don't mind if we are in the front end or a back end. So whoever has relationship will coordinate the others. So that's just one thing to, on that comment. But I think, I think the advantages are really, um, really big because, um, because for me, it's really about at the end, I, I still believe that it all boils, boils down, uh, boils down at, uh, for, uh, at ex uh, on ex exceptional customer experiences. And I think with versatilities of tools that you can get uh, composable, uh, with composable commerce, you will really boost that experience in a particular way. Because you don't need to kind of worry, oh, does my platform has this feature? And then I end up with some clunky integration and so forth. But you can just really, at speed, um, integrate different areas. So for example, if somebody works with Spriker, they want conversational commerce from Infobip, they'll just pick it in and it's like in no time they have it. So that's one big one uh, uh, because it's just, you can get much broader experiences with these ecosystems. And I think the other one is trial and error, right? Because you know, many of us, it's already coming pre-integrated out of the box, especially for consumption-based business models like ours, you can try. We would give, in, give you a month for free try and see if it works for you. And, and, and you know, like the, the, the A-B testing at the tech level becomes much more possible. Yeah. Oh, do I need to have something in WhatsApp or I don't need to have? Well, just try it. Yeah. It's a little experiment, but you can now try it without army of consultants, army of developers, army on, of anything. It's already there in the ecosystem. Just pull it. We can spend like a week or two tailoring for your use case. Try two, three use cases and see if it works. I think in the past with this monolithic yeah. systems, this was not possible. You had to buy and you have to buy a SaaS license for a year or three years. And you know, it's not Imp so easy implemented for six months. Nine yes, months. implemented for six months. Now it's just like once you have a platform that's part of the ecosystem, you can try other parts of the ecosystem very quickly. And what works for you, you continue using. What doesn't, you just shut down. And we also see this, you know, being much easier to justify budgets with this approach internally because you don't have to build it on, you know, to be based on a on a slide deck, right? Yeah. Which, which some consultants have written for you that you should be doing this and that. You can just say, look, you know, I had. Uh, I had this prototype running already for two weeks, right? I tried it out and the conversion in this channel is better than in this channel. And this is why we now want to go for the big contract and we want to roll it out to other countries or other brands, right? Correct. So, yeah. Absolutely. And you can actually tr keep fine tuning. I mean, in our space where there is communication channels, it really depends which channel works for what in which country. You know, somewhere there is high usage of WhatsApp and they're very open to use it for everywhere. Somewhere there is a high usage of WhatsApp, but they don't want to mix private channel and business channel. And somewhere there is not high usage of WhatsApp, but something else. And you know, in order to test where what will work, you really need to have that approach. Because if I would sell you now like particular thing for a year, you end up in something very frustrated. Like this, to your point, you really get ROIs and then you can continue. That is a great, 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 uh, 
example. I want to end with three uh, more personal uh, questions. So the first one is, um, if, if you could go back in time, like six months, 12 months, like, you know, two years, so what, what advice would you give to yourself, right? Uh, what is it that you learned, like, in the last 12, 12 months, let's say 12 months, right? Which, which, you know, if you would have known it, like, a year ago, this would be a game changer. Yeah, I, I think what I would give an advice, especially in the wake of, um, of you know, generative AI, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would give, uh, because we started using these tools much before the hype, you know, and then we were thinking, oh, there must be other applications in other parts of business. But we were a bit kind of slow to start experimenting. And I think if I go back and give myself other advice that I learned, it's like, you know, um, be much more agile, faster um, in experimenting, um, you know, with, with, with new technologies when you have, um, when you have good intu intuition. Yeah, yeah. Like really put a kind of a SWAT teams let them try, like have somebody who's always on, on trial of new things, right? Yeah. And I think it's also relevant now, right? There is now gazillion tools exploding yeah. uh, in any part of the value chain. And I think, I think we need to be very fast in like trying these and saying this will work for us, this won't. So that's kind of uh, what the, the one it, it's, it's interesting that the same approach we are teaching our customers, like to your point about yeah. A-B testing, right? Shall also apply to us, right? Correct. So we, are, we, should be, we should be testing, you know, tools like Beat and the Generative AI space the same, way, the same way, try it out, seek business outcome, yes. and then double down on the ones which are, which are working. Yes. And, um, you know, another question which, which uh, I, I always uh, find like interesting is, is there any um, controversial um, theory uh, that, that, you know, you have or a view, you know, b business or private, which many of the people surrounding you would not share, but you are 100%, you know, uh, <laughs> into it, that it's, it's the right way of thinking? Well, there is always like, right, um, this inflammatory topic now, especially what's happening in the world, whether we are going in deglobalization or not. And uh, I, I don't know if everybody shares this, but I, I, I actually even read studies. It was more kind of physicists doing in economy, but it's still, I think I, I strongly believe in sort of uh, micro heterogeneity. Mm -hmm. So I think the answer is not like, in my view, and that might be controversial for some, mm -hmm. the answer is not either in full globalization or deglobalization and split world. The uh, answer is a little bit like composable commerce. Mm -hmm. It's in connectedness, but then keeping like different ecosystems where we can sort of try things or work in a different way. Um, uh, take, for example, uh, the best way to conceptualize this is, 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 is like if, if Europe would have much more connected ground rules so that when you launch business in Germany, you are immediately open um, you know, to every country, but at the same time, keep its kind of micro heterogeneity, different types of political systems, you know, different types of preferences, because that's kind of a very fruitful uh, testing ground where you will see some strategies like, you know, being successful, others not, and then, and then scale them. So I think that's kind of probably the most controversial. I love the, uh, I love the composable commerce analogy. And, and also, and also the, you know, you're thinking about it. Like if I sum it up, so what you're basically saying, it's not, a, it, it shall not be a zero sum game, game right? Correct. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's, no, there was just to say, maybe it's, this is interesting for 30 seconds in, in the blog. There was actually research, which was kind of modeling what happens to different type of systems from fully globalized to fully kind of closed. Um, and they said like the, the kind of the centralized systems are very good when things are growing because you know, they can move resources much faster in a certain way, so they're growing faster. 
but when the things are going south, these are, you know, going much faster yeah. south. <laughs> yeah. And then they said the microheterogeneous system, maybe they're not as fast in the times of growth, but then yeah. they're much more stable in a way. So that's, but you know, it's, a, it's yeah. you ask for controversial yeah, things. Not yeah, everybody it's, believes it's a, in this. It's a good one. <laughs> and the last question, if there are any good, you know, book or blog recommendations that you want to share, uh, you know, with the, with the with Yeah, the I, th I think the, for last like a, half a year or, or six months, I, I kept like Parrot repeating this book. I finally managed to finish it. It's, the, it's a bit the older book, but not too old from Paul Collier, you know, Future of Capitalism. Okay. Because I think, I think, you know, like even with COVID, this got um, sort of strengthened this polarization of world, like, you know, rich and poor, um, uh, also with social networks, this sort of uh, disparities in communities where you're having more and more extreme dialogues, nuance, nuance is being lost. So if you if you kind of say something, you'll be classified one group or another. And I think the Collier is, is kind of proposing a new deal in capitalism that would bring um, things together. And so, um, and he's kind of uh, then describing the role of, of companies, the role of individuals and families, the role of society in this new world. So I, I was inspired. Uh, maybe it doesn't give to the full extent solutions, but um, it it makes you think, and I think that's important. So yeah, this is be. this is uh, it's a great great recommendation. Even I want to thank you for being on the show. We learned a lot, uh, I think, today uh, about omnichannel communication, about you know how it is like water, and everyone needs it. <laughs> and and uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts about composable cameras and you know all the trends and where it's going. It was great having you on the show. Uh, thank you very much. No, thank you for having me. And um, I think uh, we are off to a great future together. Hey, thank hey. you. Thanks. Hey, bye.